and welcome everybody to this week's Freightonomics Leap Day. It is Leap Day. February 29th. It only happens once every four years. I don't know that you know that. I, I do know that, but I uh, looked at my watch this morning and it was off a day. It was not... <laughs> Didn't know? No. Does it, it not have a... <laughs> well... That, it, that is a hard thing to program into... I guess mechanical stuff. Yeah, it was so it was off, but it's okay. Yeah, happy leap day, everybody! And I know I know there's a lot of transportation service providers that prefer it not to be an extended February. Uh, yeah, because- when you look at this market, it's <laughs> not where <laughs> you did not have nobody had fun yeah. in February. Yeah, they were like, "Can this leap? Can leap day happen on a year that the freight market is strong?" <laughs> I guess, well, it happened in 2020, but at that time, it was not. It was not. No. <laughs> so 2016, 2020, 2024 thus far have all been relatively disappointing. Yeah. And they're all leap years. Interesting. I'm, I, just, I just figured it out, guys. So watch out 2024. Uh, there's the financial <laughs> advice for... <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, this is probably a good time to just go ahead and kick it off with the freight market update, the yep. market in two. If you want to count me in, we'll set the tone here. And then I want to, I want to go back to a few of these. All right, Zach. So in three, two, one. All right. First one up, the NTIL, which is the average aggregated spot rate for drive-in freight moving more than 250 miles based on our trusted rate assessment consortium. Uh at a high level, excluding the estimated, total estimated cost of fuel. So we get all that fuel noise out of there. There hasn't been a lot of that lately anyway, but uh, look, I mean, this peak <laughs> to a complete decline, this is what a lot of transportation service providers are feeling right now. It's going to feel much more harsh than it actually is. Looking at the short-term trend, we have plummeted, uh, you know, over the last uh, well, since February started, so we're finishing February right now, uh, but still elevated above where we were for a large portion of third quarter in the second half last year. So there is some optimism there, and I think this is also just the spot rates can always drop while there is abundant capacity. We always have to keep that in mind. I think the trend line has been shifting a little bit higher, but you got some emotion here that we're capturing, uh, especially since February is not exactly the best month for freight. However, let's go to the next chart. Oh, try outbound tender rejection index. It took it a little bit longer, but it's still, you know, it's plummeting too. But we're seeing a little bit more stickiness in the O try. This tells me that the spot rate might be a little bit more exaggeratory because of that emotional sentiment. O try, of course, the tender rejection rate from uh, shipper to carrier as carriers are rejecting those tenders. This is still relatively high compared to where it was most of last year. We averaged 3.6%. We're still at 3.9%, and we averaged a pretty a good chunk higher. Uh, through most of February. So not necessarily as bad as the spot rate implies. Let's go to the next one, OTVI. This gives me a little bit of optimism for the freight market in March. Look at that little spike there. Uh, Looked like things were falling down, but demand is actually on the up and up. Hard to tell though, considering the oversupply. Yeah, it's not really felt. And I think that's the (laughs) takeaway. But I mean, and a lot of this freight is short haul. Like a lot of that volume spike is in the short haul side. So this is some repositioning upstream activity, you know, far downstream activity, retailers maybe repositioning some things. Yeah. And that's where I think going in and looking at market specific and figuring out what markets are causing this increase, right? Because we can look at it on national average just because it's on the national average. 
doesn't mean you're going to feel it. Like you're not, maybe you won't feel it or see it mm-hmm. in some of the, even the larger markets, right? Like go look at, I know we see some of these spikes all the time and you see it happen in areas like Phoenix yeah, and you see it happen in areas like Detroit. Yeah. So again, shorter haul of, freight. So Phoenix, of course, like the new warehousing place to be yeah. <laughs> in the United States. Uh, I think Laredo may start joining that fray soon. Um, but we've seen a lot of short local moves in Phoenix as that market has also expanded over time to be kind of the new inland empire, yep. uh, if you will. And then, of course, Detroit, automotive capital of the country. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of, a lot of between suppliers and manuf- and like the big three, really. And then you have a lot of movements cross-border that are very short-haul, right? Because, yeah. I mean, there's assemblies that happen. And so it's just like this... Detroit's an interesting market, but you will see spikes like this regularly as freight or manufacturing either comes online, suppliers finally have stuff to move, right? So automotive supply chains too. You have like, you have these assembly plants, these huge massive assembly plants, but they position all their suppliers right around them. Right around them. So you have this long haul freight come in to the individual suppliers, and then there's a huge amount of activity in the short haul sector there where they're bringing in components to the assembly plant because it's largely just in time still. Um, and so they want to keep that position as close as possible because service disruptions aren't as big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the risk of shutting a plant down because a delivery was missed is a lot. Less, like mm-hmm. the risk is less than yeah. it is if you're having to move something 500 miles and there's no telling what the driver encounters across that that length of haul that could oh, delay. I, I mean, mean, it doesn't even have to be 500 miles. No. I mean, it could be 100 miles, right? <laughs> and then, I mean, I know the the plows and everything are much more effective up there than they are down here in the, in the oh, south, yeah. but uh, weather does still hit them pretty hard at times up there mm-hmm. and you want to have that length of haul be as short as possible. So I think, Tony, my my take here is it's near-term pain yeah. for a lot of transportation service providers. But we are, I think this type of thing can actually create more likelihood of a pretty violent turn in the long run. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at volume, the the volume chart, I mean, look at where February from a volume perspective, like, it was down for much of the month. We're going to end up higher mm-hmm. than where we started. I've looked, I'm actually writing an article right now looking at port numbers, mm-hmm. looking at like New York, New Jersey, strong growth yeah. year over year. I mean, 5.8% in January. That's kind of a like, quiet, I'm glad you called that out. That's kind of a quiet outlier yeah. that nobody's paying attention to. The narrative has been everything going to the West Coast yeah. and it has largely done that. Yeah, the growth numbers on the West yeah. Coast are much larger than what they are on the East Coast. But you still saw growth. Yeah. I mean, import loaded imports into Port of New York, New Jersey were up 5.8% yeah. year over year. And yes, we can argue 2023 wasn't good, but you're still seeing growth. Yeah. And I think that's the takeaway. It's like that growth is, they haven't lost everything that they gained throughout the pandemic has not shifted back. Yeah. Well, with all Even the- with the disruptions in yeah. the Red Sea and the Panama Canal, I think it just highlights that there's still some degree of using the East Coast to... You saw shifts, and those shifts have maintained themselves to some degree. Well, from a domestic transportation perspective, when you have this, you know, one side heavier than the other, yeah. uh, you know, situation uh, where, you know, if, if we have these shifts in preference that kind of 
they create imbalances. Yes. And one of my big risks for 2024 this year is watch out West Coast. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of that market share go back to the West Coast yep. ports. If people aren't diversifying their port exposure and the capacity is not going to be there, yep. like when they turn it back on, like when they start bringing stuff in in mass, maybe some of that share goes back to the East Coast. Where are the carriers going to be? Like, especially when we're dealing with like five to 10% less carrier base. Yeah. Because like you said, I think a few weeks ago, I mean, what is there between Dallas and LA? I mean, it's a desert. There's the freight n- desert. Freight desert. That's I mean, it's a real it. desert too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot. Not a lot of moisture. <laughs> yeah. There's not a whole lot there, right? So, I mean, you start reducing mm-hmm. the amount of carriers. I mean, it becomes more cyclical in yeah. terms of like, and you've seen it. If you go and look at tender rejections in LA, like they're amplified, like that the wavelengths have amplified. Yes. Kind of this indication that, Capacity one is more sensitive to movements, but you can kind of see the flows of when carriers are coming back, they're coming back into the market when they're leaving, right? It's hard to get there. There's much less freight going out there than there is coming out in general. Uh, And we, of course, measure that in sonar. Uh, Tender data, it's very apparent out there. Um, So the one chart I didn't show, uh, the carrier details, uh, you know, trucking authorities versus the OTV aisle. If we go ahead and pull that one up, um, this is why I think these types of environments lead to violent shifts later. We're looking at care details, tr- total truckload authorities in white. So it's measuring FMCSA data of MC numbers for motor carrier property active. And they do a little bit of extra work here to make sure it's a little bit more real time. And then OTVI, which you're familiar with, the tender volume index that measures truckload demand. You can see truckload demand is going up, capacity. Uh, at least active operating authorities coming down. And that's just an, like, we are moving towards equilibrium. We may not feel it yet, but when we have these markets where we have these violent shifts or the spot rate, because a lot of these operating authorities are small carriers, Mm -hmm. owner operators, they're very exposed to spot market trends. When you have the spot rate fall off a cliff, like we've had, that leads a lot of, that's, that creates that violent emotional like response. And a lot of carriers are just like, you know what? This ain't for me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like during the pandemic and that the bull run after that, right? Like the spot rate stayed so high. They knew it was kind of in this element. Like they're like, oh, there's some momentum. They built up these like war chests, right? When we've talked about it. That's why you see such a slow decline is surprisingly, we thought that the decline would be faster in authorities, but where rates were Throughout this time frame, the pandemic time frame, I mean, 21, 22, I mean, you're talking growth and the ability to build cash reserves. This short-term like spike that we saw followed by this rapid decline. I mean, it, it literally fell off. A, it looks like it fell off a cliff. And you kind of talked about it. It's the emotion side, right? Like, is there really... There's never really been a good way. It's the way you measure, can gauge emotion in the market versus maybe strictly fundamentals Mm -hmm. where volume and rejection rates can kind of trend more on the fundamental side. Mm -hmm. I think you look at it and you're like, well, you can tell the emotion is not great at the moment. Uh, Well, it's it's exactly the response I would expect after kind of an overheated winter situation. Because really what we were seeing a lot of that is like, us just coming off of an unnatural high. Yeah. Like, yeah, you should have seen, like, <laughs> if we pull in, that chart back up, the NTIL chart, so everybody knows what I'm talking about here, the first chart on the 
Yeah, I mean, in January, you shouldn't see an increase. Yes, yeah, your rate's higher than Christmas. In the middle of January, at it's the not real. It's not. It's not normal. It's I mean, not natural. It's, yeah. It, so really, I mean, you where you see the decline too, and where we're at now. I mean, it's kind of the trend line we were on, mm-hmm. and then we saw the winter weather hit, yeah. and it it created this the increase effectively. And I think we're seeing the spot rates actually go lower than they might've gone without that winter weather. Yeah. Because you create this like expectation. Now everybody feels good about it. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's going back to the way we actually thought it was going to be. And that creates that really aggressive bidding posturing. Yeah. Again, (laughs) yeah, this is carriers bidding against themselves, right? That's the, I think that's the part that gets lost a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you, uh, you see it on social media that, the brokers are the bad guys pushing the rate down. And and to some degree, they do try to, they, they try to lower is, their, their no, costs. Yeah. But if oh. you don't take it, somebody else is going to come in and take it for a lower rate than you are. So like they end up, the carriers bid against themselves in this situation too. And that, no. I think that gets lost sometimes in the, the emotion. Bro- yeah. Because the brokers are, they have better access to networks. Yeah. They're, they, they can, since they're, the ones with the largest carrier bases, yeah. instead of it being a single network that a carrier has imbalance in, yeah. now they can look and identify where the other carriers' imbalances are and take advantage of those rates that are lower. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. It's They're just kind of piecing together. I mean, they're looking at 100,000 carriers, yeah. right? What, what like makes the, the most ones. sense. And that, of course, does drive the rate down faster mm-hmm. because they are making it more of a competitive marketplace. Yeah. That's how markets work. Uh, and that's been the case for years. It's, this is not new. Uh, but I think we are seeing a space where, you know, one of the biggest points of feedback is, are we in a race to the bottom? And I think the winter weather event has made it worse. Yes. Even though it felt better for a minute, that kind of pushed people into this mentality that, oh, things aren't, they're getting better. This yeah. isn't going to be as bad. Now that they're back to where they actually should be, it feels a lot worse. It's like walking outside in the spring uh, um, and it and you feeling 70 degree days. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, it's hot today. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier this week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but I think about it in the stock market too, similar situation, right? When you see things push up in abnormal ways, mm-hmm. that pullback is super aggressive. And it turns out some of the, I mean, I don't want to say it turns them out in this mm-hmm. market, but it, I mean, it does. You And you'll see, 20% reductions, 15% reductions, and they're very fast and they're very aggressive and it sets up for a long increase, right? So yeah. it's, it's kind of a similar idea in a more cyclical environment. Than, yeah, and I, I think this is overreaction too because we're seeing demand not fall off a cliff. Yeah. Like this is absolutely a like some level of emotion. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. not, you look upstream and demand's not off no. cliff, right? And we're, that, we're doing all right. Actually, yeah. the signs of spring are there. Yeah. OTVI, it's about to be the first week of March. Yeah. Tend to see that spring demand kick in. It may not always land on the same exact week. And then you have the end of the quarter coming up in the end, end of, of March. quarter too. in March. The spring volumes really kind of kick off the home garden stuff. Produce. Produce. Early produce. I mean, it's early. It's, and it's, it's too early probably, especially this year because of the rains in yeah. California. Uh, but for sure, I, I mean that that goes into some of the emotion. Though. Yeah. Like you think it's coming, so it it helps drive some yeah. positive sentiment, right? And when it's so, not there, then you feel even worse. Yes, if you're expecting yeah, it to this, be seventy and it's thirty, <laughs> yeah, it feels worse. Uh, and I think that's what we're dealing with right now because the signs of spring are there. The demand is not 
falling at, at any point. But I want to transition into the news because I think this is a good segue into John Kingston's story that I really love that he covers um, with this BMO uh, transportation group uh, that, you know, really monitors credit in the trucking industry in Canada primarily. Um, but BMO's or earnings uh, show a lot of credit deterioration and they have a chart. He has a chart in here that I think just you don't even have to know what it's measuring, <laughs> but it it correlates effectively with delinquencies in mm-hmm. trucking. They're on the rise. The amount of money, it's in Canadian dollars. Check it out on FreightWaves.com if you want all the details here. But um, look how exponential or parabolic this curve is. Yeah, that, I mean, that to me, knowing what this measures effectively, <laughs> it's, that's going to be your rate of exits out of the market or the way that they're headed, right? Like yeah. there are people that have effectively defaulted on their loan and the banks accepted the fact that they're likely not going to recover that money. And I think my takeaway here is that 2023 wasn't as bad as yeah. you think it is. And the, until <laughs> the end. Yeah. Like, yeah, the very end, we really like, we're actually on kind of a linear path through most of 20, like really 2022 was fine. Yeah. Um, and then we take this linear regression path through the first couple of quarters, and then all of a sudden it's parabolic. Yeah. Yeah, I think people have started to realize, well, and some of this comes into timing of when do loans go into effectively default. Right? Sure. I mean, like, right. so, I mean, even if you said 60 to 90 days, I mean, you're talking, if things started getting bad in Q2 or Q3, like it really starts showing up in Q4, Q1 of this year. So it's like the timing of it, it makes sense that, okay, Things got really bad, likely in the middle of 2023, which mm-hmm. we've talked about ad nauseum here, right? And it's starting to really show up. And I would expect you may even see this get more aggressive in the coming quarters. And all that tells me is that what we saw in that curve with, you know, the operating authorities versus demand is yep. that the supply side portion it's of that leaving is, is, is starting to turn downward faster. It's, oh, yeah, it's set for. A f- and that is, I mean, you see how slow. This is. Yeah. Like, we've been in a down cycle for transportation service providers for 20 months. Mm-hmm. And we're just now getting to the point where it is increasing significantly yeah. at the end of last year. So, in the end of last year, we saw it wasn't it wasn't good, historically yeah. speaking, from a, a rate standpoint. But it wasn't, like, there wasn't any dramatic shift downward. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the the positive side for those in the market, right, is mm-hmm. that we didn't see the aggressive downward move mm-hmm. really in the core. And it's more from a volume perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think you start looking at volumes, like, I wonder how much of that, I mean, obviously, OTVI is really heavy, more leaning into the contract side of the market. And yeah. You look at rejection rates, what, sub 4%, so not a lot's flowing into the spot market. No. So those smaller carriers that are exposed are getting less freight at lower rates, mm-hmm. it accelerates the the need to get out of the market. If you yeah. if you think of it as a kind of a plan of last resort, but I mean, it sets up like you said the more aggressive on the other end because I think that's really the idea. I think this is something interesting I've thought about recently is that the more data that you add into a market, mm-hmm. the more aggressive the mm-hmm. swings are. They are because. You're making decisions quicker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you're not. You're not seeing the change happen mm-hmm. two weeks ago. You're mm-hmm. seeing it happen as it's changing, mm-hmm. and it makes this. Well, um, most people, most brokers look at rates. Yeah. Every day, 
Mm-hmm. So that's what changes fastest. Yes. Is the rates because that's what they're looking at. And that's why it's important to monitor rates. Yes. <laughs> um, there is another story, and I'm going to skip over the two that I, I think I was going to talk about, but I think this is more re- relevant to what we're discussing mm-hmm. currently. Morgan Stanley cuts earnings expectations amid surging insurance costs. Now, we just had some people go to RELA uh, out in Texas, mm-hmm. the retail association out there. And a lot of the feedback was centered around, you know, especially the carrier base was around just exponential insurance costs. Yeah. There, the, there is a lawsuit out there pending. <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah. It's one of those nuclear verdicts, Werner uh, involved in that. And it is... If it goes through, I, I mean, again, I don't. I'm not going to get into a whether this needs means that our legal system needs some some work or not because it, it absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, but a hundred million dollar lawsuit out there. It's not the only thing that's occurred over the past several years. But the, the if these nuclear verdicts, which are you know explained well, and and some of our articles here, but if they go through, the insurance companies have. That goes into their algorithm for risk assessment. Yeah. And that means that insurance costs rise. Yes. This is not a... Nuclear verdicts are basically company enders. Mm-hmm. Like, you go under because they're too big. They can't be paid. That's yeah. another reason why that's irresponsible. Yeah. Like, you are not making the world better. <laughs> you yeah. are actually eradicating economic value in the sense... And I'm not trying to belittle the damage caused, but there was actually... Like, in the Werner case specifically... There's actually no fault yeah. to the trucking company. It's just people don't like trucking. <laughs> yeah, it, it's easy to chase, right? Yeah. I mean, you see the billboards all yeah. drive. I mean, yeah. I can think of driving down I-75 from here to Florida. And I mean, you see them fairly regularly injured in a truck accident, like call us. And yeah. it's like, this is bad because they're almost like ambulance chasers, but yeah. they solely target this, trucking. Th- this type of thing is 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 not just bad for carriers. It's bad for all of us. Yeah. This is artificial inflation. Well, yeah, because it, <laughs> it, in turn, right, a carrier is going to, if their costs go up, they're either going to go out, mm-hmm. which limits the competition in the market, mm-hmm. which limits supply, mm-hmm. which pushes prices higher. Yeah. If prices for transportation go up, that will flow through. It mm-hmm. flows through. It doesn't go to the company that's paying for the transportation. Mm-hmm. Effectively, it goes to the good it flows into the cost of the good yeah. that is either bought by the consumer at some point or a manufacturer or something like that, where the input gets pushed down mm-hmm. to the consumer. And if it's higher on the input side, it's going to be higher at the consumer side. So it's like this, it, it's a long-term thing yeah. that happens. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, look at COVID. You saw the rate at which transportation costs skyrocket and yeah. the speed at which it, it got passed through to the consumer was rapid. But this this is a longer term thing than the COVID disruption was. But if something were to occur here, that CDNCA number would tank. Yeah. Uh, because this disproportionately impacts the smaller carrier. Yeah. And, and that's been one of the highlights is higher insurance costs to driver for, for carrier exits. Mm-hmm. And this would accelerate the, and not just the, carriers but brokers yes brokers will have to feel this burden as well yes <laughs> yeah i mean overall it's just it, it's, I, I understand the cutting of expectations because of it uh 100 percent. they've all they've all they're all re- i mean it's all everybody's exposed yeah. to it though it's not just those public companies yeah. right so it's and so from a shipper perspective like 
knowing this is a thing. Yeah. We just talked about a bunch of significant downstream risk. I know we've been talking about this a lot. If you watch freight waves, hear freight waves, read freight waves, this has been a kind of our narrative. Now, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be right that it happens this year, but I think you know, the timing is always the hard part to call. <laughs> yeah. And for we, I mean, we did a survey and put out a, like, there doesn't seem to be a lot of risk mitigation happening in the transportation market. And that's the concern. It's not that, like, it doesn't matter the timing. If you're not trying to actively mitigate any risk to your network, mm -hmm. you're going to end up the whole bullwhip, really. I mean, that's, a similar, not exactly what it is, but yeah. similar concept, right? Like if you're not mitigating the risk, that upward move is going to feel a lot oh. more significant. Oh, and if you just locked in rates based on the bottom of a market, you're you you're risk. You're at risk. You you're, are you are at like you might as well just lock in a you know whatever period it takes. Like it, maybe you make it to the end of the year. I don't know. Like I don't know if you do. Good for you. Yeah. But like that next round, is all the data suggests. We are headed towards a pretty strong shift mm -hmm. in balance in the freight market at yeah. some point in time. And it may not may not be like a COVID style esque thing, but if you're not preparing for it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, clearly the demand side isn't going away. Like yeah. that's you would have thought it would have already started to trickle away. Yeah. And it just hasn't. And it's going to be Yeah, we thought the we thought the economy would kind of fall off last year and it just didn't do it. And guess what? If the Fed cuts rates, oh. it's a demand. I would think demand goes up from there. Yeah, the industrial sector still looks good. Uh, anyway, hopefully everybody starts. What was it? The ant and the grasshopper. Be the ant. 